Thank you so much for joining me today. Today I'm going to be doing some Q&A, some questions and answers that came in from my Elite Club networking group. I run the number one networking group in America called the Elite Club. And we had a big mastermind call the other day and I wasn't able to get to all the questions that were submitted. So I thought, you know what? These are really great questions that people um, end up turning in and submitting in to me. I thought, you know what? I'm going to share it with the world because anybody who's in sales, some of these uh, different questions can really help uh, you in your business. So here are some questions that were given to me, and I hope the people who submitted them in are listening because your answers await. Here's the first question that I received. If you have an assistant, what are the things they are doing for you? <clears throat> so in the in the title space, I will say this because I was a title sales executive for almost 20 years and for about, I would say, 18 and a half or 19 of those years, I always had an assistant, if not one, two, three, or four or five. So I had a lot of people that worked for me. Um, my belief at all times was um, every time I added a person to my team, I would have exponential growth. That was the exchange. Um, so I'm a huge believer, supporter, and encourager to get yourself an assistant. So a couple things. Assistants can help with scheduling appointments. They help with following up. They can help with prospecting. They can help with marketing. They can help with your social media stuff. They can help with um, tedious requests, things where customer service gets involved or you're ordering specific things um, for clients to help clients with their business or grow their business business and they get involved in that, like in the title space, farm packages, profiles, setting up on Palm Ones, things like that. You're really helping um, these people. They're really helping these people um, get the things that they would need from you. Um, a lot of it is uh, really a following up um, and, and keeping you out in front of the clients, keeping you growing the business. So they're really like your right-hand person doing all the crazy little tedious things that you need to get done all day long. And they are just the ones behind the scenes being super efficient, just banging it out. So those would be some things there that you can have them do. And again, if I were you, I would create a master list of every single thing that you're doing every day in the month. And then I want you to highlight, like, I could have my assistant do this. They can do this. They can do this. Just remember this note. People hang on to things and tasks and things because they believe wholeheartedly no one can do it as good as them. You might be right. But if you train and you coach them and you, you know, recheck their work and, and, and give them support, they will learn and they will surprise you. Okay. I would never be where I'm at today if it wasn't for my incredible assistance throughout my career. Uh, next question that came in from another person, and that was, what's the best way to get back a lost client? This works in any business. You know, the reality, any sales business, <clears throat> the reality is, People are going to come and they're going to go. That's number one. Sometimes we have to accept. I mean, I have lost people when I was in sales and I never got them back by the time I retired in sales. Um, however, I did get the majority of them back. 
the ones that I lost. And let me tell you how. To me, it's a four to eight prong approach, meaning there are designated steps you're doing to the individual so that you can strike their brain up with basically campaigning a message that says, I miss working with you. Whether that's via text, via video, via email, via letter, via card, via gift, via pop by and say it to their face. It doesn't matter, but it's basically four to eight strategic steps underlining a message that you miss working with them. Get your team in there, get your manager in there and get the message embedded into their brains. The reality is you unintentionally or your team or having nothing to do with your team is going to eventually drop the ball. It just happens in life, you know? or there's a mistake, or you get blamed for something, or whatever. I always say taking responsibility is really hard not to accept. You know, when you say to someone, I'm super, I'm sorry, it was never my intention. It looks like we dropped the ball. We missed this, or we did that, or whatever. Using that, once you get a chance to talk to them, really does go a long way. I mean, I won back somebody who was suing our company. Actually, it wasn't even a a local deal. It was completely like 500 miles out of the area, for God's sakes. And they had an issue on a file. It wasn't even my file. And because they got in a lawsuit with our firm, they ended up stopped using me. And I won those people back. So to me, everybody has the chance to come back. Um, Next up, next question. I am working on developing a relationship with a mega target right now, and I don't want to ruin what I have going on by asking for the business right away. What do you recommend that I do? You know, you are nurturing relationships when it comes in sales. If you're not the person who's aggressive and say, hey, I'd love to get your next order and that doesn't feel authentic and comfortable for you, then that's not your messaging. If your messaging is to give, 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 give them your tools, give them your technology, give them your best practices, excellent. I love everything about that. Just make sure that you're wording is always, yeah, we have these great exclusive tools to those who we call our customers and I can't wait to share it with you. You can change the messaging a little bit. Uh, But the reality is we do need to get clear with our audience, you know, and if it doesn't feel authentic for you in that moment, just know somehow, some way you do want to embed it into your messaging. You know, I would love the opportunity to earn your next order is okay to say in an email or a text or a video or at the end of one of your meetings, it's totally appropriate and okay. I mean, clearly that person knows that you're not there for your health. You're there for, uh, to earn business. So it's not totally out of the question for you to throw in a line. I was not a a really pushy salesperson when I was in sales, but I was definitely clear about why I was there and all the best practices, tools, secret sauce, and service I offer is to help my clients grow. I definitely had that message going across. Here's another question. What is your top things you are doing to market, maintain, and appreciate your maintenance or current clients to make sure they keep directing business your way? That's a good one. Um, It's important to be on your maintenance like white on rice. The reality is the other competitors are out there trying to steal your clients because that's the object of the game, right? So it's important that you're giving them the love and you give them the love in various ways. I have a system I do called the project book that really helps in this uh, arena right here. I also highly recommend that you're super active on social media and their social media. Uh, I recommend that you have 
your pop buys in line, that you're visible and you get in front of people to the best of your ability, whether it's at a class, at an office meeting, at an event. Make sure you've got things to pass out. Don't go there empty handed. We've got so much, so many different marketing materials to expose you and expose what it is that you are selling um, to be in front of them. The other thing is uh, checking in, knowing their hot buttons. You know, is somebody a farmer? Does somebody really go after their sphere? Is somebody killing it in social media or or wants to be killing it in social media? Um, you know, did somebody just have a baby you have to check in on? Did somebody uh, move offices? You want to make sure they're settled. You know, it's it's just really an awareness around your crowd and your, and your what I call farm area, the designated people in your solid elite database is the ones that you need to be going after getting in front of being visible, you know, making sure they are somehow, some way hearing your voice, getting your, you know, logo in front of them and a reminder of who you are. And you're there to sustain that relationship. Um, in my coaching programs, I do something called the Louis Vuitton service, which is a really cool, um, you know, system and a campaign that I roll out to my coaching clients. So if you haven't enrolled in my coaching program, you got to, cause that one itself is really, really fantastic. Here's my last question. And that is this, what can I do to calm my nerves before a group presentation? It doesn't matter how well prepared I am or even if I envision the people naked. I still get so nervous once I stand up in front of the group. Am I over practicing? Is there such a thing? Such a great question. They say people would actually rather die than stand in front of a group of people and talk and engage with them. Here's my thing about anything in life. Things that make us nervous, we have to practice over and over and over again. So if I were you, I would have a prepared agenda. I wouldn't be winging it. I literally would have it written out and I would practice that at least five times. Five times, know where your jokes are, know where your pauses are, know where you interact with the audience, maybe highlight certain things or bold certain things so that your eyeballs are really aware. The more confident you can be about your messaging, about your product that you are talking about, it's going to calm your nerves. Let me tell you the reality is. The reality is we're nervous because we're more focused in on judgment that people are in the room going, oh, she doesn't sound that good or, oh, he's boring or, oh, she has a booger in her nose or, oh, you know, that wasn't really true or that's not funny or that doesn't matter or I'd rather, you know, I'm here I am on my phone. It's that. That is really what haunts us. I mean, I've been speaking for 20 years in front of a crowd and I remember early on into this role, um, being a coach, very, very early on into it, I went to a big major event. I talked about it on one of my other podcasts where I had to get up in the room and there were so many of the biggest wigs at our firm at this event that I didn't expect that it took my breath away a little bit. And all of a sudden, immediately without even knowing it was a subconscious energy that came into me was like, don't screw this up. You got to nail it. They took a chance on you in this department. You got to get up there and hit it out of the park. Like all of a sudden I was embedded with so much pressure when I wish the messaging that I put into my own brain was, you're awesome. Go out there and do the best you can. You're a human being. So what if you make a mistake? You're good at what you do. You know, at the end of the day, you're not going to lose your job if you fumble a word or a sentence or lose your footing. Go do your thing. Oh, and what's the worst going to happen? You're going to barf on stage? Find a local trash can. Make sure it's up there. Like, I wish that was what I was told to myself. 
but the pressure shook me in my boots. Um, and so I, I got to tell you, I've been there before. I also did a, a presentation for a home warranty. I think there was about 600 home warranty people in a room. And, you know, I did title for 20 years. Home warranty, there's about 70% similar, but there's that 30% that's not. So they've got different words and lingo and different way that they do things. And, and there's some tools and some stuff that they offer that I'm not hundred percent clear on. So when they asked me to speak, I was like, you know, this is actually a really great challenge for me in my life. If I let my nerves or my overthinking make the decision, it'd probably be a no, but you know, I feel like in life we need to be challenged and in life we've got to put ourselves out there and we have to take a risk, even if it means making mistakes so we can branch out, grow, learn, and evolve. So I, I'm grateful that I said yes to that uh, home warranty thing. And for those of you who are listening that are in the home warranty space, I gagged like four times before I went on stage. I'm not going to lie. A little shaken up in my boots because I was really overthinking like, oh man, I might really screw this up. And ironically, when I got on stage within my first spiel of my opening, um, I was going to powerhouse this amazing video and it was going to go on and everybody was going to see and it was going to rock them right and I was like all right in the back you know to the video people I was like all right take it away and they hit play and it didn't do shit and I was like dang it and I even looked at my crowd of a 600 people I was like don't you hate that like it really looked perfect if they click play and then it played and it didn't and you know what so what I'm good at what I do, right? And it's okay. If that one messed up, you know what? It's all right. It doesn't change who I am. It just helps me get better and stronger. Can I control the video not playing? Nope. You know, I just rolled with it. Just roll with it, you know? Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for staying with me. If you stayed on this whole time, then you deserve some really cool pumped up music right now from my DJ. DJ, where are you at? Play something that's going to pump us up. These are some five great questions. Um, I hope you got a takeaway out of that. Please connect with me. Go to lisacrown.com or I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Hope you have yourselves a productive week. A lot of great nuggets in this podcast. So rewind if you want to hear more. Thank you.